Happy Draft Day, everybody. The 2022 NFL Draft is here. Storylines to look out for. How is the top 10 shaping up? Some late information and prospects that could sneak into round one. And Matt predicts a future Hall of Famer from this class. All that coming up right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We made it. We're here, Matt. NFL Draft 2022 Draft Day. We are here. Let's get into some of these storylines as we sit draft. Well, draft morning for me. We're already into the afternoon for you. And we're going to have this uh, selection meeting begin in a matter of hours. Without question. So happy draft day to all. Um, I've said this before. Draft day is one of my hardest podcasts to put out just because I know there's such a small window between recording time and the first pick and hard for you to get this into your eyes ear holes. So uh, do the best we can. But tomorrow is probably the easiest podcast of the year. So there's that. Um, real quick, BP, what's your draft night, evening, afternoon uh, plans for the day? Uh, I'm going to be traveling. I'm going mm-hmm. from one home to another. I am a dual home human being right now in California, which is uh, which means I just am, am blessed with riches <laughs> because we bought a new home. <laughs> we bought a new home and we're still leasing our old house and, and moving slowly over the course of the month. And it's really going to hit double time here uh, through May after we get done with the draft coverage, and uh, I'm actually heading down today, this afternoon, to our new place, and I'm going to be by myself without my family for a couple of days doing draft, doing draft coverage, recording a ton of podcasts, uh, emergency cool. podcasts, and, and covering it all in my uh, my new studio that's sort of a converted shed in the backyard isn't done being converted yet, so I'm going to be at my sort of mobile studio, but that's fine because uh, it's in the house and nobody's going to be there so i'm not going to have to barricade a toddler out of the room while i'm recording this draft, cool. draft coverage so uh yeah a little I'm more efficient a, and my new home's rolling solo this weekend and probably have a couple of beverages and just be tuned in to every single pick of the draft very cool it's not a case of you just being unbelievably wealthy that you're picking up homes here <laughs> and there right no i'm not going to keep them both no that that is definitely not going to be happening <laughs> Um, the Steeler facility opens at six tonight. There won't be a lot of us invited, which is great. I'll probably get there like six thirty, maybe seven at the latest. Um, they will feed us remarkably well. I mean, the one year they had ribs that looked like they were from Brontosauruses. Um, oh. So it's just all you can eat all night long, which is pretty awesome. Um, I'm on the air starting at nine until the draft ends. So the first hour or so is like the the voice of the Steelers they're going to introduce things and then I'm taking over to take the you know bring the bring the ball to the end zone do the grunt work so it's a blast I'm excited to get back at the facility the last couple of years we've been at the radio station yeah that's but. really cool it's, it's feeling much more like normalcy we're going to have you know the, mm-hmm. the drafts in Las Vegas and I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of covid cases post draft but you know that's that's uh it's not as severe as things have been with some um, some mass spreading of the the pandemic and seeing the the light at the end of the tunnel there and, and getting back to normalcy. I went to a concert for the first time in a couple of years last week and it was just yeah like me too a normal. Yeah. I just felt like yeah we're getting back to normalcy and it feels pretty good. So I'm excited for that. But um, y- you mentioned something that I'm still trying to figure out is 
what kind of meat am I going to get going this weekend? Because I, I'm not going to be cooking much, I don't think. We don't even have uh, plates at my new house yet. So um, <laughs> I'm going to be ordering out, and so I need to find a nice little barbecue spot maybe because I think that's an important part of draft weekend is not just the beverage, oh, but yeah. it's what kind of meat I get to consume. Yeah, I, I'll eat probably around 6.30-ish and then maybe again at 10. Um, the last two years... I well, you're going to wait almost four hours between food? I mean, come on. Well, I mean, it depends how the draft goes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and when the Steelers pick, too. i got to make sure I'm full by 20, you know? Well, you I need to make sure out. maybe into the teens your fingers are clear, right? Because you can't have, right. like, uh, you can't have wing sauce on your fingers because there might be a trade-up and you got to get ready. I also have to do a video for the Steelers' first three picks, so I can't have, like, wing sauce totally all over me yet. So you know, we'll have to keep that in mind. Good good call. I do want to hear That'll from the folks fun. out there what their draft day rituals are, what kind of food and beverage is happening. So hit us on Twitter, at BDPeacock, at Williamson NFL with that. Absolutely. So let's get down to business here. There's some stuff at the top of the draft that I've been doing this a long time. I'm not ready to believe yet. But I'm starting to get some vibes, and I want to throw some scenarios, sort of predictions at you, and just kind of see where that leads us, if that's cool by you. I love that. I've got some questions myself and seen some things, and you know, you get all the experts and all the folks that are in the know. They, they drop their best mock draft on the morning of the draft, and starting to see a lot of the similar names in similar spots. Is that group think, or is there some things that, that some folks knew that they weren't allowed to say until they kind of mm-hmm. just sneak a mock draft in there at the last minute and you get lost in all the mocks that happened on the morning of the draft. Absolutely. And, but boy, these, these mock draft contests are serious and there's a lot of really peeling back every layer of the onion. And I'm starting to buy into some things. That, and here's what I'm wanting to, to throw out at you is I think the first two picks Jacksonville and Detroit are going to be edge rushers. Fine. Houston, can go any direction because they need everything, of course. But I want to talk about the Jets, and I want to come back to Houston for a minute. The Jets, I think a lot of us have just assumed, oh, Mackay Becton will be back. He's a star in the making. This is – they don't seem to like him at all. And he was up to 400 pounds. I'm wondering if he's a surprise draft day trade. And I think there's a really good chance at four – that that's Ikwanu or maybe even Neil. So I've been told, and I believe this, that they love the edge rusher out of Florida State, Johnson. And I want you to put your Robert Salah hat on here. So I would, if they're really worried about Becton, I think their first two picks are going to be an edge, not a corner, because of the Salah way of doing things, and a tackle which then leaves you two early seconds to address your receiver needs, you know, trade or whatever. But I think that tackle at four is very, very possible. I mean, the Jets are such a huge cog in this whole draft. And then there's the Debo yeah. Samuel stuff. Are they going to make that godfather offer we heard about for Debo Samuel? Will they even be picking at number 10? You know, And they've got four picks in the top 38. They could move up or down. They could go anywhere. Uh, that's a great point. If you're going to move off of Makai Becton and those tackles are there and you probably got to take one at four because the top three tackles might not get to you at 10, maybe you're using that extra draft capital to move up. What if you just go back to back? What if you? I bet, I bet you that the Panthers want to get out of six. Could you just go up from 10 to six and then just Maybe. draft at four and six, and then you could get tackle and your favorite edge rusher? 
Um, I, I really feel like Sauce is too good to pass up at four as well. Um, I know. But, but that's not what Salah does. Right. They, Bosa's, Robert Salah's defense is built on the defensive line, and they want to get after you with pressure and then put you know seven guys in coverage, and, and they've definitely leaned toward defensive line and especially the edge, but you know defensive tackles as well, and, and they want to kill you. It, it's all gas, no brakes. It's not just like, oh, I want to super fast. I'm going to get around the edge. It's like I want to physically – go through you to the quarterback as well. And and Jermaine Johnson would fit that. And I would say I'd be willing to bet money, whether it's 10, 4, 35, 38, two players that will end up New York Jets by the end of the about the end of Friday, two senior bowl edge rushers, Jermaine Johnson or Boye Mafe, that the Jets mm, were coaching at the call. senior bowl. Um that Johnson, I believe, was on the other squad, but uh, you know they're there they all week long and him. seeing their guys go up against them, and I think they have a day where they coach the other team's squad too. And and like Jermaine Johnson dominated the Senior Bowl. I mean he's a third round guy until right, the Senior right, Bowl right. came, and then you got to see him um, actually just go for it. And I think that's what team saw is like, oh, he's more than just an edge setter because he's got the height, weight, speed, and all those things. And you see how he's used. And I think there's a lot of that with Travon Walker as well. Is like, okay, once they get out of the scheme they were in where they were asked to play the run on the way to the quarterback and you saw the moves, like I never saw two hand swipes and all these two way goes with, with Jermaine Johnson when he was at Florida State rushing the passer. You know, he was always like had one, the long arm and, and really setting the edge and, and he never really got to pin his ears back and go after him. And you saw all these moves all of a sudden in his repertoire at the Senior Bowl. I was like, wait a second, there's maybe a lot more here than we saw in college. And we talked about his time to 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 get QB pressure, that, that PFF stat last week. And Jermaine Johnson's was one of the slowest at getting to the quarterback. But when you watch yeah, him play, yeah. it's like he's not asked to get to the quarterback in two seconds. He's asked to control the edge first, then go after the quarterback. So a lot of second effort sacks. So I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, four is too high, I think. But yeah, you know, too. we're going to be shocked in this NFL draft and Jermaine Johnson, how high he goes. And, and there's just so much heat with him and the Jets. I would think they could wait till 10, but um, but maybe not. You might it's, not get past Seattle, though, at nine. Right. And he's a fit for Seattle, too, with that physicality. And I will say this. If they go offensive tackle at four, Charles Cross is your wide zone, athletic, get out and move. He's your left tackle. He's your best pass protector of those. Um, Iki Aquanu can crush in the running game, so they might like him as well. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if Cross maybe ends up going ahead of either Neil or Aquanu because uh, of possible. his pass protecting ability and because of there's there's you know some injury concern maybe with Neil that, that we're hearing a little bit of smoke with. Bernard Raymond's another one that might fall out of the first round, and you know he was kind of a fringe first round guy anyway. But there's um, some injury concerns with some guys that you find out about later. You're like, how did Neil fall? to pick 14 and it's like oh he had some injury concerns so the top 10 teams yeah. passed up on him more storylines for the nfl draft tonight we talk jets what about the giants what about the lions and some players sneaking into round one next weather's heating up the future is bright you need some new sunnies this summer that don't have a ridiculous price point shady rays are for you shady rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed, durable frames, premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Ray's Insane Protection Program. Not only broken, but lost sunglasses as well are covered. Protection for every pair of Shady Rays. They will send you a brand new pair. If you lose them, no matter what happened, give them a try, and if you don't love them, you will pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 
I love this. Ten meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, head over to ShadyRays.com right now. Get yourself some fantastic sunglasses and use promo code Locked on to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code locked on for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Thanks, everyone, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. Make sure you are checking out the live coverage on the Locked On NFL YouTube channel all three days of the NFL draft experts and local coverage like nobody else can give you. All right, Matt, what else are we looking at for the storylines here? So much intrigue and just about anything could happen, I feel like, in the top 10, let alone the rest of the first round. Maybe a, a more bizarre year than ever. So kind of talk Jets there. I want to talk Giants, too, which, again, they're critical in this draft with the fifth and seventh pick. Without a doubt, I'm going to put this in chisel it in stone. I think they're taking a tackle at five. And I think they're going to get one of the corners at seven. And again, this is the opposite of the Jets defensive scheme. You got Wink Martindale there who comes from the Ravens. And Bradbury's a good corner, but he's more of a zone guy. And they've talked about trading him. I think they're going to leave the top seven with a tackle and either Stingley or Sauce. So let's pretend I'm right about that. You might as well take the tackle at five in front of Carolina. And here's where I'm going with that is it let's go Jags and Lions edge edge, Walker, Hutchinson, whatever. If Houston happens to take Ekwanu, which I would give them, or any lineman for that matter, a 50% chance, I mean – there's as good a chance that, the, I mean, I'd take Equano over Thibodeau, you know, I mean, so I think there's a good chance it goes edge, edge, tackle, 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 because I think these Jets Becton things are very real. And let's not forget who's in charge for the Jets. It's Douglas, who is all about Lyman. And here's where I'm going with this is this could be extremely interesting and really crappy for the Panthers. If three tackles are off the board at six, what on earth do you do if you're Carolina? It, it's amazing because if I, I think it might happen, you, and this is when the lying season stuff comes into play. Because if I was personally drafting for all these teams, it would go Hutchinson, Thibodeau, first two. Th- those guys would be gone. And, and I yeah. and I think if I was like you think about you know the 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 Lovey Smith defense, what is he? Like, Thibodeau is the pick at three, right? Maybe that's I that's mean, what I would personally think and what I would personally four. do. Yeah. And when I hear Thibodeau speak, and I know some people think you know that th- there's like some some character concerns and they're worried about him. When I hear him speak, he he sounds smart as hell to me. I'm like, this guy might be a oh, superstar. Yeah. I would lean toward superstar more than bust, right? Yeah. And I think some teams might not like some of the things they hear and like, oh, maybe is he going to be not a team player or anything? But I, I feel like he's he's going to be a potential superstar player. So I would go, you know, if Walker's really locked in at one, like it really sounds like he is, then Hutt than Thibodeau like if I was actually drafting for these teams and a lot of times if you just like if I just blocked out all the noise it would go edge 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 for me at the very top and I don't think people should be shocked by that but the other thing is and this ties into some of the um some of the draft props we're seeing out there Derek Stingley if I had to go under on one of them 7.5 he's gone by seven and I I think Giants could grab him for sure for sure and I would 
be like, here's the other thing is if I was drafting for all these teams, both Stingley and so all three of the edge guys and both Stingley and Sauce would all be gone before I would even start with the offensive tackles. Now, that's just me personally. And I think they might be the two best players in the draft. Right. So maybe that's the thing is the tackles fall, but someone's going to be there around eight, nine. That is a that is a really and, and maybe we know exactly who the top eight players are. So maybe Seattle's on the outside looking in, which kind of what happens in all those mock drafts is all those guys are gone by eight. And and the Falcons just take the last of the best of all those position groups because you got three edge, you got three tackles and you got two corners. And I think those eight players will go the first eight in some order. Just trying to figure out what the order is, is the is the part. And if Jermaine Johnson can sneak into that eight. I, say, I think he might be the ninth. You know, I mean, right. if. If one of those eight happens to slip, I think Seattle would jump all over Stingley or Sauce. I think they would settle for Johnson. I think Atlanta almost has to be Edge, which would probably be Johnson. Maybe Thibodeau falls that far. Or the first receiver off the board, which I think is too early. No, but I don't like it. I, I can't I've seen see that a lot. Any but other direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they had like... There was five or six players in the league last year that had more sacks than the Falcons. I mean, they weren't only last in sacks. It was by, like, 15. I mean, and their wide receiver room might be the worst position room in the whole league. I mean, I think that has to be a pass rusher or a wideout. And maybe their first two picks have to be a pass rusher and a wideout. I just don't think wideout is a worry for that team yet. Yeah. Uh, you're building you're a, a fan later, da- You're building a foundation. Right, and so there's going to be a good receiver for them in the second round. They got a high second round pick. You'll find a guy there. You know okay. where it is. So uh, my earlier topic, though, yes. I think Panther fans keep your fingers crossed that Houston doesn't take a tackle because I think there could be. I mean, I'm with you. I would go edge over the offensive lineman if I'm Houston, but I think there's a chance Houston, New York, New York goes tackle, tackle, tackle. And then Carolina is in total no man's land. Like, I mean, are you, do you force the quarterback then at six? I mean, you trade out on pennies on the dollar. You know, like things could go really bad for the Panthers. Yeah, the tackle to four is really the thing that that start, and, and that's what you need in every draft. There's that thing that's like every mock draft is wrong because of the one thing, the and one that thing. could be it. The tackle at four, and if they're truly trying to get off of Mackay Becton, then you almost can lock in a tackle at four. Really? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah so I'm starting to lean that way. I really think the Jets pick, the Jets two picks will be tackle at four, edge at ten, maybe wide receiver. But I think you know Salah, like you said, is going to get every defensive lineman he can. So I think that tackle at four is going to happen. I really think a tackle at five is going to happen because the Giants will get a great corner at seven. One corner for sure is going to be gone by seven. The question is if it's two corners. Mm-hmm, and I think right. there should be two corners gone. Um, does a team move up with six to get the corner in front of the Giants at seven? I'd say maybe that's the spot. Maybe that's Baltimore like Seattle coming Seattle goes from nine to six. Yeah, or... Seattle at nine. There's been uh, recent reports that the uh, that the, the Dallas Cowboys are hot and heavy in move-up mode. What would that be? What position would that be? Mm-hmm. But they're coming yeah. up from 24. How high can they even get? See, I think it would be for an offensive playmaker of some sort. Some sort of receiver, probably. I mean, their receiver room's a little light. I mean, they lost Wilson, and they're counting on Gallup to return from injury. Right now, it's James Washington and C.D. Lamb. The more I think about it, I think one of the tackles is actually going to fall out because I think there's going to be movement. 
unless it goes four, five, six. It has to go four, five, six, right? Otherwise, there's going to be a tackle sitting there for the Seahawks at nine. And they'd probably grab him. And you might be right about Neil medically, you know, that those Bama guys take a beating and they just said there's a lot of smoke that people are a little concerned about him medically right now. Yeah, that was, so I think, Peter, a little. I think yeah. Peter King's the one that reported that one. Here's the thing. How about this for, for some of the, some late movement, uh, if we're talking top 10, and I've got some names I want to talk about at the end of the first round as well. Yeah, I got one other thing to throw out. Too. Almost every single mock draft I've seen in the last 24 hours has Derek Stingley at three. What is happening there? Did I miss a report? Because it's wow, weird. Yeah. It's really weird. Every single one. I can see it. I mean, I would consider Stingley at one. And I like Sauce even a little better because he's safer. I think they're the best two players in the draft. But there's no report that I'm missing, right? Not that I know it's, of. It's too universal that that Stingley is Stingley is as universal at three with a lot of the mocks I'm looking at as Walker and Hutch are one and two now. Wow. Okay. Interesting. That's I'm looking interesting. at, at Bruglers who just dropped his this morning. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and literally almost every single one. And, and I, was, I was like, is there a report I'm missing? Because I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if corner. I, and and I guess it's just Lovey Smith has recently talked about corners that's something they're trying to get better at, and maybe they're just going down their board. But I would say edge for that defensive scheme, right? Edge over Makes corner. If it's, if there's a tie, and maybe it's not a tie at that point, but if there's a tie, go an edge over corner for that defense. Um, Here's but, one thing I would throw in, and in, in that would lend itself maybe to corner is no offense to Lovey Smith, but he really feels like a placeholder head coach that. This is still the Patriots of the South. I mean, Patriots mm. covet corners. You know, the people making the picks, maybe with the big picture in mind and scheme down the road more than now, I can't believe Nick Casario is going to look at this and say, we're going to play cover two for the next 10 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and right, nobody and does that anymore. And, and make no mistake, Nick Casario is running the draft, not Lovey Smith. Exactly. He's a Patriot guy that wants... Revis and Gilmore and, you know, man coverage corners where Lovey's going to send four, drop seven, play zone. You okay, know. so not worrying so much about Lovey Smith's scheme. Yeah. Thinking about that and both of us thinking, well, corners are the the best positions in this class. If they're going to pass on Thibodeau and, and we don't know about the character stuff and some teams like and some teams don't like Thibodeau maybe. Okay, so we got corner at three now. So we got edge, edge, corner. I, I start to feel comfortable with that, and, and I'm glad we, we were able to talk through that. And now the Jets, again, becomes the hinge point. And, by the way, Brugler's mock this morning has Iki Ekwanu going forward to the Jets. I think that's very possible. I, I, and that would be good for the Panthers, because then we might get three tackles in a row at four, five, six. Panthers will get some tackle, Cross or Neal or whoever. And, and then I think the Giants take sauce. So that's – okay, so I, I do start to feel pretty good about that. Two corners – Three tackles, four, five, six, and two edge, which means... I think we nailed it. The And that's through seven, which means Falcons are on the clock. With Thibodeau. At eight, and they got to go Thibodeau or Jermaine Johnson or one of the wide receivers. Or, you know, Seattle Kyle Hamilton, too, but I, I feel like it's it's a, uh, I feel like Hamilton's out of the top ten for me mentally, but maybe some teams, because a lot of teams still had him at their, as their top the guy in the draft. Maybe he does sneak in there. Could. I think he goes... 11 to Washington. If the Falcons are just like, well, he's the first name on our list that's available. We're going to draft Hamilton. Would that be sort of opposite of money ball approach to draft tight end 
safety with the first pick in the draft and with top 10 picks in back-to-back years? <laughs> That's a good, good point. So I'm going on record right now, BP. Okay, let's this do it. This is how it's going to go. Edge, edge, corner, tackle, 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 corner, edge, edge. Leaving us the Jets in Washington to probably end up with either their first receiver and or Hamilton. So those are the first nine players in the draft the in some nine, yeah. order. Likely Walker Hutchinson, one, two. One of the two corners at three. The other corner at seven with the three tackles in some order coming off four, five, six. And then you got Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson, eight, nine. End up in Atlanta and Seattle in yep. some way, shape, or form. I feel pretty strong about that, those players. Yeah, in those I like that a lot now. And right, unless Atlanta it. throws a wrench into the works, unless, unless there's a trade, unless there's a quarterback, you know, maybe Atlanta does do wide receiver, which pushes one of those other edge guys down to 10. I would think that Jets at 10, wide receiver run. As I've expected and talked about all along, wide receiver run between 10 and 20. I think the receiver run could start at 10 and really pick up. 100% agree on that. Here's my last thing I want to throw out, though, that I think is really interesting. And I'm going to flat out predict it so I look good if it happens. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll delete this podcast later tonight if it doesn't happen. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. So the Lions, uh, assuming we're right with those top nine, and we are. Hold on a second, Matt. I, w- I want yep. to tease this. I want to come okay. back and finish the final segment here with the Detroit Lions and talk about some prospects sneaking into the first round on the back end nice. on Thursday night next. Not often. Can you say things like brownie batter and healthy snack in the same sentence? And you can do that with Built Bar because Built Bars are a little bit of magic, actually, is what it is. I, I don't even get it, but low in calorie, high in protein, low in sugar, low in net carbs, high in fiber. It's exactly what you're looking for in a snack. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yeah. Real chocolate, delicious, dark, beautiful, velvety, not this brown colored fake substance that you see sometimes. Replace all of your candy bars, all of those bad for you snacks and all of your secret hiding spots at work, in the car, at home, in the pantry. Replace those with Built Bars. 130 calories in most Built Bars, 4 grams of sugar and 17 grams of protein, including Built Bar Puffs, which are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. New flavors going up all the time at Built if you're not sure what flavor you want to try, grab a mixed box of Built Bars. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off of that order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Here we go, Matt. Detroit Lions. They, they're they at 2-32, and 32, which is a really interesting spot. You know there will be trades in this draft, right? We've talked about the Jets with four picks. So many teams with multiple selections, and they have so much power and opportunity to move around. And if everybody in the world expects the Lions to draft a quarterback at 32, that's where they know they have to jump up and get if the quarterbacks fall. And the Lions also know if they want a quarterback at 32 that that's where teams are going to try to get in front of, so maybe they have to move, right? Yeah. Here's what I'm. Here's my prediction slash excitement and what I would do if I were the Lions. You sit there too. You get Hutchinson or Walker, maybe even Thibodeau, whoever. You take your favorite edge guy, and then folks, they have 32 and 34. So if you look at the trade value charts. If you combine 32 and 34, 
that gets you right around 13. I mean, doesn't seem like you could get there that easily, but those are very valuable picks. And, you know, you've mentioned the Vikings at 12 being a trade down candidate, you know, and here's where I'm going with this folks is I think the lions could, should, and will take Hutchinson and then go get Willis at like 14 or 13. So lions fans, how happy would you be if you got Hutchinson and Willis and you still are picking at the beginning of the third round going forward, you know, like, that's a haul. That's a franchise-changing series of events. I think that's an ideal spot for Willis to go. There's a line in place. There's a running game. There's a quarter, an incumbent quarterback. And we've already heard rumblings of the Lions considering him at two. If you could give up 32 and 34 for Willis and already have, like, Hutchinson in your back pocket, see, that's franchise-changing stuff to me. I love that for Detroit. And yep. they, they do have a lot of needs on the roster. So you could argue so where they like, they got to, you know, come on. That's, that's three top 34 players that you should be adding. You, you can't go get a quarterback who's not even going to play this year. And, and then now you've drafted one player who's going to compete for a team that has a lot of holes, but they got two third rounders as well. Right. Here's my question. So yeah, looking at this is the old Jimmy Johnson chart and every team has their own chart and the numbers aren't quite on, but they're, they're yeah, close enough in to the get in the range. Looking at Detroit's numbers. I'm looking at the chart right now. 590 points is 32, and 560 is 34. So if you add those together, that is what? 1140 points. 1150, right? Yeah. 1140. Okay, so, yeah. And, and 13 is 1150 at yeah. Houston. So you could go up at some point around 15 to 12, depending on if you could maybe get uh, mm-hmm. a sweetheart of a deal here. Which team is moving? throwing a future third to get to twelve with your Vikes? Right, you know? yeah. So you you have you have a future you have future picks you could dive into. You have two third rounders. You could add another two hundred sixty points there with your second pick in the third round, or a, a late comp pick that's another hundred and twelve points at pick ninety seven. So you throw another hundred in there, and maybe you're talking about you know basically between ten. They probably can't get much higher than ten. You know, would Seattle right, right, would, right. would Seattle go all the way down? No, but Seattle already has two. High. They've got a lot of picks. They already. have 40 and 41. They already have two high second round picks, so it's not there. The Jets have a ton of picks. They, they probably don't need to collect more picks, so it's 11 to 15 maybe. And the reality is you might only have to get ahead of the Steelers to get Willis. I, I would mean, think maybe that— Maybe you don't have to go to 13. I would think that any team would say, I have to get in front of 16. Just And yeah. maybe you don't have to. Maybe you actually only have to get in front of 20, but the, the Saints draft twice at, at, at 16 and 19. And you can't expect twice. that they wouldn't take Willis with one of those picks. Right. So I hear you. So, but if Willis is on the board at twelve, I'm starting to make calls. Yes. Or maybe you just have to wait and say, "Well, look, if if Willis goes sixteen, so be it. But we can afford to get to seventeen. We can afford to get mm-hmm. to eighteen or nineteen. They can afford it where they want. Yeah. After 12. So, but who's going to move back? And I still look at twelve at Minnesota. But is yeah, that too yeah. far to go all the way? to 32 who has the most needs Houston has the most needs but they have the most picks I don't I think they need quality over they quantity Baltimore right. has a bunch of extra picks they don't need to move all the way down to 32 I, I would say Baltimore goes up rather than goes down they have a ton of picks too they have five fourth rounders yes so if like and I think the Chargers want a big ticket item you got to go Washington or Minnesota and then I think hold on a second the Eagles will always trade back, but boy, yes. they've done a lot of that. They've done a lot of that. They've got a lot of picks. They've already got uh, two seconds, right, and two firsts. Uh, one, and they only have one second right now. Yeah, they have future picks, and you know, 
They don't need it. Yeah, they don't really need it. But he, but I, 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 Roseman's more the type that would move down a handful of spots, not you know, all the way to thirty two. End of the round, right. right for the turn. Unless he gets Boy, a that, unless that would be my goal. If what I about were the this? Lions. What about future picks? What about the Lions say? Never mind. We'll just go thirty two and next year's first. Yeah, but that could be a top five pick. Yeah, that's probably not smart by the Lions. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, I'm feeling that. To me, second. So the you're just a little short with with 32 and 34 for the Lions, but I think 11 or 12 is where you have to aim, just to be sure. Mm-hmm. But then I think, what about this? How come nobody's talking about Washington just drafting Willis right there at 11? I know. I think that's interesting, too. Or even just a wideout. I mean, everyone's giving them Hamilton. Because Hamilton's a hard guy to slot. Yes. I mean, it, it, that's what's funny about this whole process. And you and I have done mock drafts, and you don't want Hamilton to last till 25. But sometimes it's like, I don't know exactly where to put them. I'll give them to Washington. But what if they don't love them? You know, what if they there's two guys on the board they like better? Well, that screws everything up, you know? Um, yeah, everyone has Washington getting Hamilton. That very well could happen. But they might just say, we'll take our we'll take quarterback one. How about some prospects, Matt, that will sneak into round one we're almost out of time here and uh one thing i want to do too oh yes real quick sure every year i just dawned on me every year i pick one guy that i'm going to predict is a hall of famer not going to be a hit or he's going to be worth that pick or he's going to be a star and i will say this is the hardest year i've ever had to do it you know like i took miles garrett Frankly, I took Mahomes. You know, some of the, they're, they're swing for the fence picks. I mean, these are guys that have to be gold jacket level. I mean, so like their talent has to totally come home. Like you took Willis, he's so far from that. You know, uh, I think. Can, what's can, that? can I give mine really quick? Because yeah, I think it's, do it. it's just, it's too easy, but it's so painfully obvious what's going to happen long term in this. And everyone's going to be like, I can't believe they passed on Aiden Hutchinson because his arms were short for Trayvon Walker. And Aiden Hutchinson became this, this gold jacket superstar. He's really athletic. He's, uh, you know, nonstop motor. He's got the traits that you look for in a superstar player because they will just work and work and work. And he's got crazy athleticism, you know, the great three cone a super productive player that won't quit and the stupid Jacksonville Jaguars passed on him because his arms were too short and then you know everyone's going to make fun of the the short arms thing just like they make they make fun of the small hands thing and it's just too easy and too obvious so that that would be my pick okay see I'm going to fight you on that although I did want to throw this out there too my prediction is whoever Jacksonville takes at one will be wrong <laughs> because that's, that's <laughs> even if that's it's Hutchinson yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean no matter who it is we're going to look back in five years and be like, man, they took the wrong one. And I just feel like that's what that organization is. Um, see, Hutchinson, to me, wouldn't be is – is a good example of not who to, is who not to take for this because I think he could be a four-, five-, six-time pro bowler, a well-above-average starter, a really, really good player, but I don't think he could be Bruce Smith. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he could be a, a Hall of Fame-level guy, mm-hmm. even if everything li- lines up. So my pick is Stingley. You know, like, he could wash out. He could be terrible. I just think Stingley, if he hits, could be Champ Bailey. Whew. He has the traits. I mean, if you're, if you're looking for someone with the traits that, yeah. Go watch a video of him guarding Jamar Chase as a 19-year-old. I like that. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying I'd even take him first overall, or he's the best prospect in this draft, but... If I'm picking one, 
who's going to go to the Hall of Fame? Every year I pick one. Quentin Nelson was one of my picks. You know, like, Stingley's going to be my pick, and this year is really hard. Sauce, too. I, I like Sauce. Sauce was my second choice, probably. I like what, because Sauce was interviewed yesterday in Las Vegas, and he was asked about, you know, you know, if he's, I don't, I don't even know what the question was, because I only saw the answer, but essentially the question was probably like, you know, are you the best player in the draft, you know, confidence, whatever, and he's like, <laughs> he wasn't, I don't think he was trying to trash on Stingley, but he's like, you don't have to mm-hmm. worry about me. I'm not hurt. I'm not, I'm going to work. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like, and, and Sauce Gardner famously, he's like never drank. He's never smoked in his life, you know, and he's just like, yeah, yeah. I have everything. I have it's everything and I'm get, going yeah. to be the best player in this draft. You don't have to worry about me at all. And like, I just love it. He's so confident and like he backs it up and he checks every single box. And I could see Sauce Gardner being that guy's like, man, probably just should have gone 1.1 because he's so clean Maybe. and has yeah. everything you're looking for in a corner. And he doesn't come across as an a-hole either. You know, no, like, he's, he's confident you're in that way that's like, yeah, he's not telling any lies right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that's the impression I get too. Yeah, right. uh, he would be my second choice. I, I, I almost cheated and say one of the top two corners has the best chance of being a Hall of Famer. I, I'll say, how about Ekwanu too? I'll throw him in there. Maybe. Because maybe. some things have to go right, and but I think – to be a, Especially if he bumps a guard at some point in his career. Well, because stays there. we talked about maybe how there's some bust potential with him, but then you think about the guard thing. It was like, what if he becomes Quentin Nelson? Mm-hmm. Right, 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 and right. So that would be, I guess, okay if you, if, you know, with a top three, top five pick. And, in this draft, yeah. But if he's like a, if he's the, if he's the offensive tackle version of Quentin Nelson, where he's got highlight blocks and he's a stud, and you know, your draft's super high. And he he he's got the the arm length to become a better pass protector if he gets better there and is just a long time player. I could see him being that guy. Yeah, that's a good one because there's a lot of fallback options for his career too. He could be, he could come in as a left tackle, stay there forever, be a star, go to ten Pro Bowls, go to get a jacket. He could go to right tackle. He could bump into guard and be a dominant player. I mean. I think there's a better chance him than Neil or Cross or any of the other offensive linemen. Like, I look at this receiver class, I can't see any of them being, you know, Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, all-time greats. Yeah, I I don't really see it with any of them, but one of them's going to be great. You know it. And it's just which which one, you know, and maybe it's one of the second-round guys. I I would also, and we kind of talked about it earlier, I would throw Thibodeau into that. You know, from like like a... you know, remember how Randy Moss fell in the draft, you know? And right, right, right. Now he's on TV. Uh, Warren Sapp you know. would be another one. It was like sometimes you don't know how to take these guys that are maybe a little bit more um, vocal and, or, about right. things. Yeah, but he he's not he, – he's smart when you hear him talk. And so mm-hmm. the Thibodeau thing, like he could bust and maybe he's, you know, trying to do too many things off the field, but – he, he could be that superstar and like in, in 15, 20 years, he's on TV and like, you know, it's one of those things. So I would put Thibodeau in that, on that list too, even though he's not going to be the first edge. He's the guy that like, Oh, he was a hall of famer sitting there the whole time. And we over-evaluated it. You might be right about that. I mean, I can at least believe that script. You know, like 99% of the guys drafted, I can't believe a script of them being a hall of famer. But there's five or six in this class where I could write the script the day before the day they're drafted and say, okay, if these things all go right and he develops a spin move or he learns to get off press coverage, he could be 
you know, a, a great dominant player for eight to ten years. And especially like, so, uh, you know, Thibodeau starts to fall. And then what if someone like Baltimore or, you know, one of these other teams trades up go, yeah. to right. eight and gets Thibodeau? And he's like the guy that has not only all that going for him and the physical ability and, you know, the crazy get off, but now he's got a chip on his shoulder as, as well. And he's extra and mad. An awesome situation yeah, like Baltimore. You, you, you know, could right. absolutely see that script. Yeah. If Baltimore trades up for Thibodeau, I'm changing my answer. <laughs> <laughs> or even if he just falls all the way to, say, nine to Seattle. You know, the underdog right, right, story. Right. I could see Pete Carroll being like, oh, yeah, that's my underdog story. That's my guy right there. You know. Mm-hmm. No, interesting stuff. And so, so a couple of prospects uh, to look okay. out for to sneak into the end of round one that you don't see in a lot of mock drafts. And one name I'm seeing a lot this morning. I talked about how there's so much Stingley at number three. Here's another name, Quay Walker. I think uh, he will. Height, weight, speed, linebacker. He's been in almost zero first-round mock drafts through the whole lead-up. And looking at bet online's uh, odds here for him, it's like 32 and a half. And so okay. that's the name to look out for, maybe even the, the top linebacker selected. I, I was going to pr- – one of my predictions was he goes ahead of his teammate, N'Kobe Dean. Yeah. I, I would take him over Dean in a heartbeat, to be honest with you. I mean – if you if you just see both of them walk off the bus, you're like, well, I'll take Quay Walker first. And he's faster. <laughs> yeah, he's bigger and faster. <laughs> he's bigger and faster. But right? is Nicobe I mean, Dean better? That's the question. His tape's better, but yeah. I think he has a lot of advantages playing behind Jordan Davis. And they all Wyatt. do. And here's the other yeah, thing. They like, all do. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Seen, I think, is a first-rounder all day. But, man, those guys were kept squeaky clean behind that defensive line. So he, I, another name I'm hearing that is really hot right now is a guy I know you like that are talking about even like late teens, early 20s is Elam from Florida. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the traits are that corners oh. draft traits. Well, especially when the other two corners are going to be gone in the first two. The next guy right. that's got great tape, zone or man defense, height, weight, speed. Elam's my third corner, even and I think it's I like the tape of McDuffie, but I, th- I th- just think the size and the arm length, and it, you know some teams are just going to have McDuffie as a more of a slot, so he right, might slide right. a little bit. He's not going to get out of round one or anything, I don't think, but that's possible. Yeah, Elam, cornerback three, no problem with that. Yeah, as high as like fifteen. I, mean, I think he could go ahead of Booth. I mean, he's worked out. Booth didn't. He has more traits than McDuffie. Or I don't even think he's Baltimore. a better player, but he might be a better long term prospect. Maybe even Baltimore at fourteen. Like he could go high. Yeah, they drafted his brother. Cousin or uh, uncle his or uncle, was, maybe. Right? Yeah, that's quite possible. Which I don't like. I don't like even saying that. I think it might be his uncle. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. Right? Makes me feel old. Um, yeah. And how about one more? In my mock draft yesterday, I talked about how there was a little smoke between the Green Bay Packers and Drake Jackson, the pass rusher from USC. What about? Mm. And I had him in the second round at fifty-two or wherever the Packers are drafting. What about it at twenty-eight? I think Drake Jackson at the end of round one. You talk about traits. And someone who, um, I think the comp would would be, um, would be Harold Landry, and Landry yeah, should yeah. have been a first rounder. But Absolutely. Jackson's got more size potential and a little bit longer. Uh, just when you see his ability to get around the edge, the the, the length, the hands, the 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 bend and dip around the corner, like that's something that you can't teach and. Uh, he's got the body to add more weight and, you know, get him in the weight room doing some squats, teach him some technique to have some other moves off that outside rush, you know, aside just from running the arc. And can he be a, a serviceable player on 
on early downs, you know, after a couple of years, because he could be just a designated pass rusher early in his career. And so I wouldn't put him necessarily as a prospect behind, you know, Joe Tryon and uh, Owe and some guys that were at the end of round one last year. So Drake Jackson, Quay Walker, those are two names to look out for that don't get a ton of run in first round mocks that could absolutely be among the first 32. Good call on Jackson. I mean, Todd McShay hates this assignment more than anything in the world, but as soon as the draft's over, they ask him to do a way, way, way too early mock draft for the next year. <laughs> yes. It comes out like a Monday. I know Todd well enough that he just hates it, and I don't blame him because you're always going to look bad. Well, his last one had Drake Jackson like in the top 10, I think. And, like He's been a name atop all the lists. He, he, and you mentioned his weight. His weight has changed. I didn't realize this till just this week. His weight has changed unbelievably drastically. You're like They had him shed and get down to like 245, I want to say. And I think he was around there at the Combine. And then his pro day, he was like 270. Like, he's all over the place weight-wise. I think he wants to be a, a 265, 270 base end. Right. And keep his quickness and athleticism. And I think and that's, that's probably what he heard from. His you know? agents were probably like, what are you doing at 255? Get up to right, 265, right, right. and then we can draft guy. you in the first round. He's like, okay, shows up at, at 270 and still moves yeah. well at his pro day workouts. Well. And that's maybe what teams said, okay, we do have an every down guy here, and you can't teach his bend and length and, and explosion. So, um, yeah, Drake Jackson, the more I think about it, of course that's a first-round guy. Yeah, I mean, when you think about what he brings to the table, why are we talking about him as the 50th pick instead of the – 30th you yes know? especially when you get into that you know all the, the all the slam dunk first round grades are kind of off the board at the end of round one mm-hmm. like i could see him going up ahead of uh ajabu ebiketti mafe yeah you know mm-hmm. you know right ahead of that group i mean he'd I be right there probably with with what we're laying out for him and his ability where he he probably would be neck and neck with ajabu pre-achilles anyway yeah yeah good call Here's one that I'm not going to predict as a first-rounder. I'm going to give him a 20 25% chance. But if Jordan Davis goes to the Ravens early, I think Travis Jones is going to be really sought after. Maybe yes. by, like, the Bucks at the end of round one. Just because there's only two of them in this draft. You They're, know, like, if I'm going to get a big power D-tackle, it's going to be one of those two. Not only is there only two of them, there's only three good defensive tackles in the exactly. entire class. You know, there's right. maybe, you know, you got Perry and Winfrey and Fedarian Mathis, and, you know, there's a couple of guys that are maybe day two, mid day two somewhere, fine. guys. There's really only three good defensive tackles in this class. And yep. if you want that position, you've got to draft them early. So I could absolutely see teams maybe fighting to, to get the third on that list. And Wyatt is old. I think he's going to be a 24 or five year old rookie. Yep. And he's got some off-the-field things that are a little worrisome. Just yes. do your own digging on that, that he might not be for everyone. So I think Travis Jones, who's lit up the combine and senior bowl, could really go higher than people think. Yep, Jones over Wyatt maybe, and maybe the maybe Jones and Davis are the two first-round tackles. I think that's possible. You know, like Williamson always talks Steelers, but Steelers need a nose tackle run stuffer type, and we'd all love to see Jordan Davis be there at 20. If he isn't, and I trade it back to 27, I'm taking Jones over Wyatt. <laughs> the, the last thing I want to bring up here, and we're going overtime, but whatever, we're having sure, some fun on draft day. And uh, I can't wait to see how the real thing unfolds. Your point about McShay and what the number one overall pick could be next year. The yeah. number one yeah, overall pick, j- just to just to sort of, um, just just to really drive home how weird this class is at the very top this year versus other years, is Las Vegas's 
um, the betting favorite for the top pick in the draft has changed 11 times since the day after last year's draft. 11 times. And it's been like, you know, there's like wow. Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler were those guys I last I say year. Rattler and Howell, I think, yeah. went one and two those, in this draft. Right. Those were the one and two last year. Um, yeah. There's been Pickett and Willis in there. There's been Hutchinson, I think, multiple times has been the number one guy, dropped out, been the number one guy again. Walker this mm-hmm. week took over Hutchinson again to be the top pick. There's been Thibodeau uh, in the mix Ekwanu, to be the number maybe. one pick. Um, who was it? Ekwanu, possibly. I think Ekwanu was in there at some point, and I think Evan Neal was in there at some point as well. It's changed 11 times over the course. Uh, Basically, once every month, it's changed who the the top pick is going to be, the betting favorite to the top pick in the draft, after uh, starting with the the day after last year's draft. And I bet the draft before that, last year's rookie class, changed never. It was one one guy the whole time, right? (laughs) It never, never changed. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this is a weird draft. Love it. Weird draft, so it's going to be fun, and there's going to be some wild, wild twists and turns that even Matt and I couldn't project on today's podcast. So lock in, have some fun. Matt, enjoy the draft weekend, everybody. Thanks for making us your first listen. And Matt and I will be back tomorrow to break down round one, and then again Monday to break down the whole thing right here. Peacock and Williamson.